You are listening to a Geek Network interview. Be sure to hit the follow button to get notified when a new episode is available. You can also visit us at geek-network.com for your guide to the geek entertainment news you love. Created for geeks, by geeks, and remember to always geek responsibly. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. As always, this is your host, uh, Daniel. Today, uh, we have another Fandom Sessions episode, and I am speaking to the multi-talented David Dasmalchian. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? Thanks for having me today. Yeah, no, thank you for joining. And I am absolutely so happy and excited to talk to you uh, again. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. I'm super excited. This is a really big week for me. And uh, so as you know, far as comic books go, I'm at a place right now where I never dreamed I would be able to arrive at as a creator. So I'm excited that we're going to get a chance to talk a little bit about what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, one of the biggest things I'm excited to talk to you. But I have two questions. I just want to go ahead and ask you really quickly how, uh, you know, Abner Bubblegum Polka dot cat is doing. (laughs) I will send you a photo when we get off of uh, the call or I'll have Caitlin or uh, Jen send it to you. Uh, she is fantastic. She is having a bit of an allergy uh, that we can't really crack right now. So she's been uh, scratching more than I would like. A uh, little bit of patchiness with her hair. But, you know, we've got her at the, the best esthetician and dermatologist for pets in, in, in the Sherman Oaks area. I'm, I, I, I will stop at no nothing to make sure that cat is happy because she has brought me so much joy and um, she loves her life with our family. She got us through the pandemic in such a powerfully beautiful way. And she's just the snuggliest, most loving cat I've ever known. That is amazing. That is adorable. Um, My roommate has a cat. We got along. Uh, um, I have a dog and they get along as well, the cat and the dog. So it's amazing. I love cats as well. So I, awesome. I just had to ask. <laughs> yeah, she's a superhero, man. She's a she's a she's a celebrity, and it's kind of awesome that people like know who she is. Our our my assistant knew who Bubblegum was before she realized uh, who she was possibly working for. It was pretty great. Nice, and yeah, just uh, when I uh, it's actually been two years since the story dropped that you know you adopted a cat that uh, you found while you you were filming the Suicide Squad, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. And before we really jump into your uh to your comic book, uh the other question is um I follow uh Twin Temple and I follow you on social media as well. Um I just want to know like how did the whole uh relationship and friendship uh with Alexandra and with uh Zachary um from Twin Temple, how did that exactly happen? You know, it's funny. I told this story Last night, they were over at our house last night. We have a regular game of Werewolf that we play. Oh, dude, uh, I love that game. Sorry. Yeah, so, uh, Twin Temple, uh, the Boulay Brothers, Brian Fuller, Steve Agee. We just have, like, our regular group of, like, you know, werewolf-loving uh, monster files. And so we were playing it last night, and um, somebody asked me, like, oh, how did... How did, how did we meet? And I was like, oh, uh, as a matter of fact, I was a huge fan of theirs. I had been for a long time. 
was following them on the internet. And um, I think the algorithms had brought them into my life somehow, or maybe I'd read an article. Oh, you know what it was? I think I was, I was doing research for a project years ago and I stumbled across their music. That's what it was. And then I started okay. following and I actually reached out to try and hire them to play a party at one point and they were out of town, but we stayed in touch. And my wife and I, uh, one night were like, they are so cool. We should just see if they want to hang out. So we totally like sent them a, a message and we're like, do you guys want to hang out? And we had a blind date. The four of us had dinner together and have been really good friends ever since. Uh, they are amazing artists and they're very dear friends and I love them so much. Yeah, I love their music. Uh, they'll be coming in uh, in October, actually. I was supposed to see them at the end of the month, but the venue got changed due to heat because Arizona. So I was oh, just yeah, curious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll, you, you, have you seen them live before? Yes, I have. So this will be my second time seeing them. It's a hell of a show. They sacrificed me and Eve on stage at their Halloween show back in... 2000 and maybe 21 and um last year they sacrificed our dear friend brian fuller on stage at the will turn so who knows who they're going to sacrifice this year i'd be i'd be nervously excited yeah that'll be awesome though to see who you know get sacrificed on stage yeah i i just i i love them and i'm going to collaborate with them you know we did the um I helped the Boulay brothers with the halfway to Halloween special this year for Shudder. And it was really fun watching. Um, I rewatched it the other night. My best friend is in visiting from Berlin and he hadn't seen it yet. So we watched it and the, the footage of Twin Temple is so cool. They're so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I love them and love their music. Um, now, now as we transition to comics, I do want to go ahead and ask you, um, what was that? And again, another transition. What was the transition from uh, TV uh, and movies like over to comics? How did that exactly happen? Um, and how do you take you it? You know, <laughs> I don't think it's I, I don't even think of it as a transition. I think they both have been informing one another organically since the beginning of my career. Um, you know, obviously, I can't talk about movies and TV stuff right now, but mm -hmm. I started my career working in you know, movies and, and TV stuff, a lot of which was related to comic books. Now, I'd been collecting comic books and loving comic books since I was a kid. And I'd always felt like it was this really, uh, you know, magical medium through which you could obviously combine visual and, you know, uh, um, uh, dialogue storytelling to take people places that, you know, other mediums just just can't. And so when I was a kid I had some ideas for stories that I thought would make cool comics and then as I grew up those stories started to evolve and grow as my life experience evolved and grew and one of those things that evolved and grew for me as a grown-up was my journey through recovery from addiction as well as my journey towards mental wellness from you know uh, morbid depression and 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 hyper anxiety issues that I've struggled with and so finding you know, a way to thread some of those big ideas and things that scared me in my real life into this monster hunting horror host who I'd always dreamed of creating for comic books was this beautiful gift 
that was just staring me in the face. And I never even realized that it was going to be so possible. But with the encouragement of, you know, Eve is, and some other really close, you know, friends and collaborators, I was finally able to pitch the idea to Dark Horse. And all these years of obsessing and loving over horror movies and comic book storytelling, it just all kind of meshed together in this beautiful way that I still scratch my head and can't believe is really happening. The fact that I get to make Count Crowley and we're going into a third volume for Dark Horse yes. Publishing is like, that's a very big deal for me. And I just, I can't believe how lucky I've been, you know? Yeah. And um, since you are working with uh, with the independent label here, uh, what are some of the growing pains of uh, working with the independent team? The only growing pain I, I know, and I haven't worked yet with big, uh, well, I haven't worked with any of like, the big guys yet, although I hope to, you know, it's a dream to get to write for all the publishers. And as you may have seen, we just announced I'm getting to work with Todd McFarlane now with uh, his offshoot from Image, getting to do my Knights versus Samurai comic, which I'm excited about. So I will say the, the only the thing with with Dark Horse that was, you know, tricky, a, a little bit tricky because um I wanted to, you know, get the word out. They don't have the way that a lot of the movies or things that I've worked on before have these millions of dollars of marketing budgets to spread the word about your projects. Um, that's just not that dark horse is an independent publishing company. They don't have, you know, millions of dollars. They have a really dedicated and devoted team on the publicity side that are always willing to help me do my weird ideas, like making the Dr. Fearless commercials and all that stuff that we do, but that's all DIY. Uh, I'm really lucky that as an actor, I'm able to, have the privilege of working with one of the best like PR and marketing teams in Hollywood who helped me get the word out when it's time for things like publishing releases and Comic-Con and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I, I found a challenge in the beginning that was like, how are we going to get the word out? And I was really lucky in the beginning of the journey at Dark Horse. I got paired up with obviously my editor, Megan Walker. But somebody I think it's really important to mention in this um, call, Kelly Westner, who used to be like the head of like digital marketing with Dark Horse, or at least she was doing all the interactive stuff with with Crowley and making trailers and stuff. And we got on the phone and I was like, I've made independent movies before where we have no marketing budget. And I've always felt like the most important thing is just to be as authentic as you can and just get as crazy as you can no matter what your resources are. And she was like, dude, I'm a hundred percent with you. What do you want to do? I was like, let's get all of my Halloween decorations together. Let's get a couple of friends and a camera. We'll go to Bob Baker Marionette theater where I'm friends with them and use their space to create a horror host set and start making fake commercials for count Crowley. And she was just <laughs> like, she was on the next plane, dude. I'm not joking. She was like, she was like, I'm there. And she came and, and, and that's what we started doing. And it's like, so the, the challenge ended up being a gift, you know, as yeah. it usually is. <laughs> and then you did mention, uh, you know, you congratulations, by the way, uh, that you're picked up for uh, volume three. Um, and so we kind of chatted a little bit about this uh, uh, pre pre call. But, um, you know, uh, variant covers now that you're actually uh, successful, making a big thing. Uh, any ideas? Uh, how are the variants going to come into play? 
Dude, I feel like I have arrived as a comic creator. I not only am getting a third volume of my comic book, I'm getting variants. It's the best. And we got Francesco to do our very first variant of volume three, issue one. So not only did Lucas Kettner, our incredible artist and my co-creator of the whole series visually, this guy is a genius. He he made a, a cover for volume three, issue one that is so perfect and beautiful and it's it really evokes the kind of grindhouse posters of the 60s 70s but then i found out from my editor that we were approved for these variant covers and we get francesco to come in and other artists who we haven't even announced yet which will be coming soon and what all of them did was put their spin on the world of crowley and jerry bartman and each single one just it humbled me and blew me away that I was able to see, you know, the vision of this world through the eyes of people who I think are so talented. Francesco to me is just one of these artists that captures that vintage horror comic, you know, mastery. And I, I can't believe it, man. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on that Wednesday when volume three drops, I'm going to be the first dude at the shop just buying every single issue <laughs> <laughs> what is your local comic book shop if you don't mind me asking well when i'm in la i go to earth two comics in sherman oaks i also really love golden apple in hollywood um and i just found this awesome new shop on the east side which i hope everybody will try if they come to la it's called revenge of comics and it's just a very special place. I've never seen a comic shop like it. Um, when I'm back home in Kansas City, I go to Clint's because that's the comic shop I grew up, you know, going to as a kid. Uh, I love Midtown Comics when I'm in New York. I love Graham Crackers when I'm in Chicago. Forbidden Planets, obviously legendary. I yes. mean, <laughs> at this point, every city I go to, I fall in love with at least one, if not several comic shops uh, from Atlanta to Houston, all the way to Budapest, where I just was, uh, London. I love comic shops, man. They're the best. They're amazing. I truly love and support local comic shops as well. <laughs> and uh, with that being said as well, um, how did uh, the crossover idea with uh, Count Crowley and uh, the Criminal Macabre actually happen? That was a suggestion, um, Megan Walker, who I give every bit of credit to for every awesome thing that's happened with Count Crowley, including my partnership with Lucas Kettner. Um, basically, she was like, you know, what do you think about uh, possibly doing something like a crossover or one shot or a specialty thing? And Steve Niles, um, you know, I have been a fan of uh going all the way back pre 30 days of night even like i've just always thought he was one of the best writers and in, in horror and so um turned out that he liked count crowley and i've been reading criminal macabre since the early 2000s so i was like if there's a way that cal and jerry could meet up with both of their alcohol issues both of their addiction <laughs> issues both of their monster hunting you know shit like what a perfect team up that would be and Thank God everybody said yes. And Steve, you know, he's a hero to me. And he was just so, he was so on board. He was so down. It was, it was amazing, man. And that, that book turned out great. The fact that Lucas got to draw it was like icing on the cake. 
Also, uh, what made you guys want to do uh, Cal and Jerry as just a one shot and, uh, you know, give it about four to five issue run? <laughs> well, you know, budgets are what they are. And it's like Steve, <laughs> so many books that he's already do. Like he's he's busy motherfucking writer. That guy's like, you know, just, he is he is doing a lot of cool stuff right now. He's launched the company. He's got, you know, a lot of series that he writes. So I think I was just lucky to get him for a... I think I was lucky to get him for just that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I mean, here's the thing, man. You you know you talking about it on your show and fans responding to it. It did sell well. I know that much. So like that helps. Like yeah. if if people really dig it and there's a there's a there's a demand for it, we'll do more. Like I would love to see the next chapter. Jerry and Cal, they almost made out for goodness sake. I mean, who knows? <laughs> That's true. And uh, with you coming from TV and movies, uh, when it comes to writing uh, the dialogue for a character, do you write it as an actual script or do you uh, plot out kind of like the thought bubbles and then tell your artist like, hey, I want this done or how does that work? I write the dialogue. I don't I don't say exactly which Oh, I don't always say like where I, I need it to go on the page, but I do know each page what lines I need to be spoken because dialogue is my strongest tool in comic book writing. Uh, because if you're partnered with the right artist and you give them the dialogue that's clear and really evokes who the characters are and what their relationships are to one another, that hopefully gives them the tools they need to put together, you know, the story that you're hoping that they can tell for you. So 100% dialogue. Uh, I've, I've worked with a couple publishers at this point who've said, well, you know, we don't necessarily want you to put the dialogue in first. We'd rather you just kind of describe the action. And I say, I can't do that because I just, that's, that's the best thing I can bring to the table. I think my, my love of dialogue is, um, is a strength for me as a writer. And I think I can use that to, really shape the way a comic is going to look even though i'm not necessarily telling the artist how to draw or what to draw i'm usually just giving them the emotional you know uh map and then they we we, we form a you know uh, a shorthand together and they they can really start creating that visual language to express what i'm trying to say emotionally okay nice and um i mean we brought it up with uh bubblegum um earlier uh the whole pandemic uh you know bubblegum got you through the pandemic but is that when you really started uh you know diving down like i want to write this comic this is going to happen like how did you you the know the comic uh, was count crowley was going uh before the pandemic and in fact sadly we had done pretty well with volume one and volume one trade paperback came out at the beginning of the pandemic which kind of sucked i was knee deep writing volume two when I got the call from my editor that they were putting the comic on the shelf because of the pandemic, all of the, you know, um, publication deals that they had had to be kind of paused if they weren't major hits. And even though Count Crowley did well, we were by no means like a major hit. And so I was devastated, dude. I was really heartbroken. I was having to confront the fact that, um, you know, my comic was probably gone and I just kept writing during the pandemic because it was something that helped me get through it. So I kept writing 
the stories that I wanted to write about Jerry and where she was going to go as a monster hunter. And I didn't know what was going to come of it. And obviously our country went bananas and all these themes <laughs> that I, that I play with during Count Crowley, you know, kind of were relevant in what was going on in the United States at this time. And all of a sudden, man, I got the call a year later from my editor and she was like, I got good news. You're back in business. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit. It's, it's really happening. It's back. And you know, I've been just so grateful ever since. Nice. I'd love to hear it. And as a creative mind, how does one uh, stay away from the typical, you know, uh, I'm killing demons, um, you know, hunting demons and, you know, from Castlevania as well, not trying to pry from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I think I think that there's a lot of history and inspiration to be taken from all of the different, you know, movies, comic books, TV shows about monster hunting that have come before. There's a great legacy in that space. And that goes all the way from, you know, I don't know, Vampirella through, you know, Buffy, through Hack Slash, through uh, Bloodstone, through Blade. Um, but I knew that I wanted to turn all of the audience's expectations and kind of things that we've seen before on their head. So I've made it much harder to kill monsters in the world of Count Crowley than I think it's ever been <laughs> seen before. It's not, you can't walk into a nightclub and just start blowing people away with, you know, a, a wooden stake crossbow because that wouldn't do much against the way vampires operate in the world of Count Crowley. And I'm not yeah. to say that that's not cool. It's just, I wanted to do it different. And the other thing that was really different for me was if, as a female monster hunter, I wanted Jerry to be the somebody that my readers men, women, and otherwise could look at and they didn't need to see like her midriff or like a short skirt or like that. Not that, like, trust me, I, I had the hots for many a hot ass monster hunter in the past, but there was something to me that needed to be seen in the way the story was going to be told where she was just in busted up jeans and combat boots and like punk rock, but like there was this not un unsexualizing of the female monster hunter that I really wanted at play in this book. And I, and I, I, I just, I, I couldn't ask for a better design than what Lucas gave me. Nice. And then I just have two more questions. Uh, first one will be, what does a hashtag uh, comics broke me mean to you? Uh-huh. So comics broke me means to me, um, it's a positive thing <laughs> where uh, when I first fell into deep love with um, comics, I, I plucked a, my first graphic novel slash trade paperback that I ever purchased um, as a kid. I was very young was the death in the family um, story arc in which uh, the Joker kills Robin. Robin. And I sat in my room and just cried and escaped. And I loved every single frame of that book so much. I read and reread and reread it. I have the original copy that I bought when I was a kid, and it is so dog eared awesome. all the times I've read it. So I think that's what it means to me. It showed me the potential of a way of having a really incredible, emotional, fantastical escaping experience um and changed my life man 
no doubt and then the last question here is uh if you could give your younger self any piece of advice uh what would that advice be can you say it one more time yeah if uh you could give your younger self my younger self advice, oh, okay. yes okay not a young person but my my younger self oh man well, I don't know if I would have told him to do anything differently, because if he had, he wouldn't be standing exactly where he is, surrounded by the people that he's surrounded by making the things that he's making at this moment. So <laughs> that's a tricky one. But to any young person who's listening right now, and honestly, I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're <laughs> in your teens, your 40s, your 60s, your 80s. You deserve to be here. You are worthy. You are valuable. Your mental health and your physical health uh, are important. And if you don't feel like you have anybody that you can talk to, you're wrong. There is always somebody out there who will listen and will help you. And, and, and it's one of the greatest tricks that we all fall for is believing that we're alone in this world. And we're not. Yeah. And someone who has uh, a lot of anxiety, I... I, I agree with that. 100%. Well, let me say just from somebody who does this a lot and, and does interviews a lot, you have been amazing. And I don't, I, if you did, if you were struggling with anxiety today, um, whatever <laughs> tools you're using are working. And um, I'm really grateful for the time that you gave me and you did an amazing job. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, David. Uh, lastly, just want to go ahead and say that count Crowley mediocre midnight, Monster Hunter number one will be available from Dark Horse Comics at your favorite local shop on November 8th. Uh, be sure to let your local shops know that you want volume one and two. And then you can find this interview and much more at geeknetwork.com. And then uh, just make sure to geek out with us and geek responsibly on all social media platforms and YouTube at Geek AZ. And then, uh, David, uh, any upcoming conventions, uh, any uh, signings that you're possibly doing? I know Rider Strike's a little bit hard, but any uh, conventions? I will be appearing, yes, I'll be appearing at the Famous Monsters of Filmland convention in Philadelphia in October, followed very quickly by an appearance at New York Comic Con, where I will hopefully yes. have some <laughs> special limited artwork from Count Crowley, as well as the Headless Horseman Halloween Horror One-Shot, uh, in which I got to contribute with Leah Kilpatrick and Tyler Crook. So I'll see you guys there. Have a killer, spooky season. And thanks again, man. That was a really awesome conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then any social medias that uh, our listeners and your readers can follow you on. Just my last name, Des Malchin. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate the time. Uh, it means a lot. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you, too. Bye-bye.